I think a few of you have gone out recently and looked at some website or looked at some pad podcasts. So this morning we're in uh, Colossians chapter three. We're going to start with verse 18, just to prove that we can actually move on from chapter three. We're going to also read the very first verse of chapter four, just to give an incentive to, for you to realize that we actually are making progress and we will eventually be out of chapter three. It will take us probably at least two weeks, maybe three, depending upon what happens in our discussion. But we're looking at Colossians chapter three, starting in verse 18. We'll read the end of chapter three and the very first verse of chapter four of Colossians uh, as well. So let's take a look at that. In Colossians three, verse 18, it says, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes are on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart, reverence and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, at, uh, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide for your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. All right. Now, my plan for the, this morning is that we will uh, look at an overview of these verses, and then we will start digging into each set of verses. Now, this is set up as a series of couplets, if you'll notice. You've got wives and husbands, that's one couplet. Then you've got children and fathers, that's the second couplet. Slaves and masters, the third couplet. So uh, that's the what we start with. And, and of course, we know that faith in Christ not only changes individuals, it also changes homes. And today we, we struggle with the fact that there are some radically thing, uh, radically wrong things going on in our homes today. I think that if we were to look at the, the most recent statistics, we would find that there are probably more broken homes than, than there are uh, homes that are together in, in two, two, people, uh, two parent families. Single parent families are on the increase. Uh, I think you, the stats tell us that more than half of the uh, the mothers today are working outside of the house, uh, many of them with small children. Uh, there are lots of potential reasons why that's the case. There are arguments on both sides of the equation, both good and bad, as to why uh, someone should work or not work as, a, as, a, as an additional, uh, you know, as a second parent. Obviously, if you're a single parent, you've got to work unless you happen to have gotten an inheritance or something earlier. Getting something one of the interesting things is the very first institution that God created on earth and founded on earth is what? Marriage. Marriage. Yeah, the home. <clears throat> and interestingly enough, um, well, I will say this. First of all, as the home goes, I believe so society and the nation goes. As we've seen the breakup of the home, as we've seen less and less fathers being involved in their children's lives, we've seen a, 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 an increase 
in problems in this country. By the way, did you know that the breakdown of the home is a sign of the end times? Yep. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, this is what it says. If you want to check, if you want to check it out, that's fine. Turn there, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. It says this. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of, of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, having nothing to do with them. Boy, if that doesn't sound like the vast majority of the politicians and, and a lot of the people that were involved with our bosses and, frankly, ourselves. Makes you wonder if maybe the last days aren't a little closer to the end than we thought. Centuries ago, Confucius said that uh, the strength of a nation is der derived from the integrity of the homes. So it isn't just the Bible saying this. There are other people that have said this over the years. Now, the, uh, the question comes in, in addressing domestic relationships. There are a number of passages in scripture that talk about domestic relationships. Uh, Ephesians 5, uh, 1 Timothy 2, uh, 1 Timothy 6, uh, Titus uh, 2, and 1 Peter 2, all, all the way through a good portion of chapter 3 of 1 Peter, all speak of, of the, the domestic relations and what God expects out of us. In the Roman world, a household included all of those that were responsible, uh, that, that were the responsibility of the head of the home. This included what? Wife or wives is the case. Fathers. Yeah. Kids. Slaves. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody. And so when Paul writes about this, just as he does in Ephesians, he's writing about the entire makeup of the household. So, again, the problem you run into is that once Christians started, once people started to become followers of Jesus, you had people in the same household who became followers of Christ. That creates a lot of tension if you're a believer. Think about it. If you got yeah. a slave that's a believer and a master that's a believer, which, by the way, is what we're going to be talking about when we get to Philemon, yeah. is the very issue of slavery. Um, so, you, you know, it, it creates a whole new set of dynamics. Can you imagine there are, I'm sure this is the case, in some places in the, in the early church, you had people that were spiritual elders and pastors of churches that were slaves and their masters attended the church that they led. Hmm. Think of the dynamics that that creates both in the church and in the home, mm -hmm. which is, by the way, we're not going to, we, we won't get very far there today, but that's one of the reasons why in 1 Corinthians, 
Paul says that to, to slaves, he says, if it's possible, win your, win your freedom. So anyhow, we're gonna we'll we'll deal with that. We're gonna we got enough to deal with today just to give this the basic overview. So let me just keep going. So we got this um, both Ephesians five and Colossians here. Uh, the basic order and content of the order of presentation the same uh, husband and wife relationship, children and parents relationship, master and slave relationship. Perhaps today, perhaps. Uh, you could have, you could substitute boss and, you know, underling at your work as a master slave, although it's not the same. It's much, much stronger relationship in a master slave relationship than most uh, business relationships with the possible of exception back in the day of, you know, when you had uh, uh, company towns and company stores, you know, like in the mines, Mm-hmm. And everything was controlled by the, you know, the, the company. Uh, maybe in the early days of uh, of the automotive industry, where you know the owners um, ran roughshod over uh, over the workers, uh, might be another possibility. I don't know. So anyhow, the, I think the first thing I want to point out is the order of the text is significant. The text moves logically from marriage, family, and then extended family concerns. The uh, uh, there is a cycle to which it is the consistency of the presentation in the New Testament uh, of domestic lists reveals a further truth. God has a definite order for his economy on earth. And since the order is God ordained, Christians have a responsibility, I hate to say this, but to live in it and to accept it. Now, there are some people that say, and I want to point this out to you, some people that say there are cultural specifics in this kind of a study. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there are at times, there are situations in the scripture where we're dealing with a cultural issue. If you will try to apply it in this particular case, you run into some problems. Let me, I've written some things down, so give me a chance to work through them, Okay before you decide to stone me. Um, I got a rock in my hand, so. Thanks. I, I, knew, I knew that was coming from you, bud. I love you. You said you stone, st- not rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So first, there's nothing in this passage or in, in Ephesians, which would be the two passages are the, that are the closest to each other. There's nothing in these passages that's, that even remotely suggests a temporary command for a specific situation. So uh, the second issue is, um, is that the appeal to the culture of the day has some real difficult potential problems. What's the standard? Uh, what standard is the culture to be measured by? First century? Well, there are a lot of us that don't like what was going on in the first century and would, would say no. So, so why would we choose the 20th or the 21st? Why is our century better than some other century? And how is it that we're trying to apply 20th century or 21st century concepts to a first century situation rather than what, we, what we've tried to do in our Bible studies is always apply 
figure out what does it mean in the first century and then how do we apply it to our current culture? It's a much better approach because remember, it can't be different. And God didn't write something for the first century that's different for the set for the 21st century. It's got to be the same application. Okay. Same, same principles are applied. So uh, the 21st century cultural pattern is the norm. It, it, that creates a problem when the Bible tends, you know, or could it be that the Bible intends to correct the cultural, the mo modern scene versus the first century? Or is it he's, the, the Bible wants to create, to, to correct both centuries, all centuries? The argument most often used against universal nature of these commands <coughs> is that the culture accepted such an order for the family. But when the position of, of women and slaves changed, does the Bible, biblical mandate also have little or no meaning? And does that mean that the Bible is irrelevant? If this is the cause, the real meaning of the command is to, do, to let the order of society be true in the church. Is that what God wants us to do? To let society run the church and our no. theology? No. No. Really? Because that's often what happens in churches today. And churches that, that say, no, this is what God's word says, run into problems with culture and sometimes politically and legally. The end result of the problem is when you do this, the, that if, if that's the case, if all it means is that we let the order of society be true in the church, then the principle will not work because similar statements could possibly be said of any ethical question that's out of character with the New Testament. The end result would be that the authority of the Bible, which becomes no authority at all. Since at any place in a culture, if the culture differs in the Bible, we always, if, we, if, our, if our default position is always go with culture, that creates a huge problem. Think about it. what if you were what if you were your society believed in cannibalism? Does that mean it's okay to eat? You're not Catholic. <laughs> oh jeez. Don't bad. go there. That's bad. <laughs> You're as bad as the Romans were, first century. <laughs> wow, stoning. I mean, Gary got Yeah, yeah, you're stoning, all right. <laughs> All right, so, uh, it, because what would happen in that situation is that, that the Bible is secondary to culture, and that's not the case. It just can't be, because culture is constantly changing. The third thought, thought is this, that Paul explains the order of, for husband and wife was distinctly uh, beyond cultural aspects and he says this in First Corinthians, which is one of the reasons why I was thinking of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 11 talks about this. And, and so uh, the idea of there being an order and a, a, um, a situation where people have to submit to other people uh, is true even within the, person, the personhood of the Trinity. Think about this. Who are the... Who, who answers to who in the Trinity? The Son answers to the Father and the Holy Spirit answers to the Son. Yeah. 
So there is, there is a submission that happens even within the Trinity. Therefore, submission is not a bad word. We need to understand what it means. Because this is the pattern in the Trinity itself. So we'll, we'll talk about this submission in just a minute. I'm trying to get through all my, my basic general overall thoughts, okay? The fourth thing that I, I look at is the principle of cultural specific application uh, only well, yeah you, you mentioned first Corinthians 11 yeah and you know I know that there's a there is a lot of discussion about this is like for example women's place in the church uh, you know is related to this whole idea that you know with the women woman reports to the man but first Corinthians 11 goes on then and and it talks about something about you know women's hair and and so how do you take that and you know you know and say that oh that's 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 what the bible says that you, you, they can't cut their hair well i mean i just uh it is a problem isn't it yeah, and we'll yeah. get there it's one of the reasons why i want to go to first corinthians i want to spend some time in first corinthians because it's uh, there are going to be issues that are going to be cultural and the problem we've got to figure out is how and where each of those are. Now, let me just also mention one thing that, that was you brought up in, in leadership in the church. There are two thought pro, two um, two concepts that the church is is uh, is battling when it comes to uh, women involved in church politics and and leadership, leadership in the church. I'm sorry? In church leadership. Yeah, in church leadership. And they're so not one is, one is, is complementarian. The other is egalitarian. Complementarian says that a woman um, is, uh, has a place that's different than a man in leadership within the church. And, so, and often what happens is, is that we want to apply what how a relation fits within a, 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 a husband and wife relationship and apply it to the church. And I'm not sure that that's appropriate. The other is egalitarian, which says that everyone is equal and everyone has the ability to do certain things uh, and take and hold certain positions within the church. Uh, Kensington takes a much more egalitarian position than than other churches do. Now we're not here to discuss today specifically whether the church should be egalitarian or complementarian in its approach. My guess is that if you want to know my my thoughts today, and they do tend to change from time to time, because I'm not sure it's. I think it's a kind of a fluid situation. Is that it probably depends upon somewhat upon the culture, but. That's not what we're talking about today, okay? Today we're talking about husband and wife relationship, and we'll get there in just a second if I can finish up my, my couple of thoughts here. How so, do you pick and choose, though? Like, you know, that's a good question, and, and I'm not sure that I have a good answer for, for it. The church leadership, but it's not egalitarian for husband-wife relationship. I mean, how do you – I remember we okay, had – Okay, well, let's, let's just go there since that, I, I had a couple of points, but that's fine. Let's, we can go there. So here's the, here's the issue. 
The issue is the word submission. That's always the big problem that we, we struggle with, whether it's in, in, in Ephesians or here in Colossians. Anybody have an idea of what submission means? Consent. I'm sorry? Consent. Consent, okay. You know, agree to do what is required. Okay. Anything else? To put yourself in a lower place than the person that's in charge, basically. Okay. Rick, or uh, Gary, you said something. What did you say? Well, basically, obedience and following orders. Obe so Gary comes the closest to what the original Greek was. It was a military a term, a concept. It was to arrange in, in order of rank. Uh, it, it is not talking about slavery. It's not talking about subjugation. What it is talking about is the fact that there must be an order and there must be rules that have to be followed. Think of it this way. Gary, your, uh, your son, uh, your oldest son, is a major in the Army, correct? That's right. Does he have... Can he order uh, soldiers under him to do certain things? Of course. He can? Well, 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 isn't that being submissive? You said order soldiers under him. Yeah, but isn't that being uh, submissive? On the soldier's part? Yeah. Yes. Well, we're against submission. Why Who should said? we do that? What would happen, what would happen yeah. if, you, if you chose not to obey the order of someone who had a higher <laughs> rank? What would happen? Uh, good. It wouldn't be a good outcome, would it? <laughs> well, Val, it's, it's not that we're against submission and a general principle. It's uh, how is it applied to marriage? That's ah, the well, there you go. And, and, but that's, see, part of the problem is that long ago and far, far away and in other, other parts, uh, other Christian churches around the world, uh, submission is more of slavery or subjugation. You must do what I tell you versus saying, you know what, we're going to submit just like just like the, the Son submits to the Father in the Trinity, just as the Holy Spirit submits to both of them, there is a order or a ranking that happens in the Trinity. Yes, it's how could two walk how could two walk to, how could two walk together if they don't agree? True. So what it comes what comes to what God says in First Corinthians again First Corinthians fourteen forty that that all things should be done in decently and in order. Uh, there is there does seem to be within the Trinity a chain of command. God has set up the church and the relationship within the family uh, uh, the husband and wife family situation as a rank as an order. Does that mean that the wife should always obey the husband? No. Really? <laughs> okay. So why? In what? Can, in what instances can a wife disobey it? It depends. On, it depends on somebody's heart. I mean, it's always talking about people's heart that has to be, yeah, uh, submitted to. It's got to be in the right spirit of things, not just. You know. Is it? Is it is it in the same way that we submit ourselves to God? Oh, really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly the same. In fact, that's the whole issue that you can you imagine a rebellious wife and that wife yeah. just happens to be the church 
and we're rebelling against our our intended Christ. Is that going to go? Is that going to is that going to work out well for the bride? Uh, Not only can we imagine it, we see it every day. Yeah, and and what and what happens? The the problem is that the problem is that remember the. It, it, we're we're way into where I bought more, but yeah. that's okay. So here here's the issue. Did you notice that in each of these couplets, the person who submit who's who su- to submit is the first one mentioned in the couplet? Just an odd odd, you know, yeah, wives, husbands, children, fathers, slaves, masters. They're all asking for submission from someone to somebody. Uh, additionally, here's another thought. Did you notice that the wife is not told to obey her husband? What is she told to do? Submit. Is that different uh, than agree, obedience? Agree with. Agree. Is, is, that, is that different than, than obedience? Uh. We just said a minute ago that it was almost the same. Yeah, but they're not. You're submitting yourself as a you know when you join a volunteer army, do you submit yourself to the orders of the people that are above you? Yeah. You choose to do so. Right. That's kind of what we're talking about here in this situation. Well, unless you're drafted, but. <laughs> well, even even <laughs> so, then, you, so so but even so, then you could you know, fight. You being could drafted make it is kind of like being even a yeah. Calvinist, <laughs> right? It's kind of like being what a Calvinist. Calvinist. <laughs> <laughs> the choice is taken out of your hand. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, all I'm saying is, a headship in in a in a family relationship is not dictatorial, nor is it lordship. It's supposed to be a loving. Let's let's jump because Ephesians does a a, a, deals with this more. All right, so uh, here's here's what it says in Ephesians chapter five. It says, "Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body." of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also the wife should submit to her husband and everything. Husbands, you're supposed to love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Here's the problem. Too often the husband isn't being Christ-like. He's not loving his wife the way he should, because if he did, he'd be willing to sacrifice for her. When was the last time that we sacrificed anything for our wives, myself included? It's been a while. Oh, I occasionally I make know. her a cup of coffee, right? That sacrifice? Yeah. I gave my wife the last cookie. There you go. <laughs> That's big. <laughs> the, the, the problem is, the problem is too often the people who are in leadership are not being servants. You know, when we talk about pastors and elders and churches, we're talking, we, there's a term for them, we call them servant leaders. And too often, they, they're more, they act more like kings. I've shared with you the fact that there are, 
you know, a lot of my background was in a variety of different Baptist uh, groups, right? And you know that I've told you there's certain Baptist groups that the pastor is the king. And what he says goes. And there isn't any argument about that. And he, he, you know, he's the, he's the head of the church, man, except for Christ. He only answers to Christ. And then sometimes I'm not really sure that that's even the case, but that's a whole nother story. Well, and the same thing in the Catholic church. I mean, the priest, you don't, you don't, he's like absolute. Yeah. Yeah. And you could never expect it never, it would never even cross your mind that a, that a Catholic priest would do something wrong. So if we're living the lives that we're called to live as husbands in our family, we will be submitting ourselves to Christ and loving our husband, our, our, our spouses, our wives sacrificially. Uh, Denny's not here today, but Denny talks about the fact that he, he decided he was going to start praying for his wife. And every morning when he gets up, he gets up long before she does. He goes over to her side of the bed and he prays over her for her well-being, for, for, for God to, to bless her and to do the things necessary to help her that day and for him to be a, a better husband. What would happen if we did that? Uh, my wife would wake up and smack me. <laughs> okay. That was because you had your hands not on her head, but around her throat. There's a difference. There's a difference. <laughs> I'd pray so fervently I'd wake her up. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. You don't ask God to change your husband or your wife. Excuse me. You ask, your, your, you ask the Lord to change you. Amen. Right. And in the process of you changing, it'll be amazing what happens with her. In fact, if we were to take a look here at this a little closer, uh, you'll see that um, wives are told to love their husbands. Um, or no, excuse me. Uh, husbands are told to love their wives. And uh, wives are told to, um, oh, let's see, let me hang on here. And of course, I can't find it real quickly in my uh, respect. Respect. Thank you. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Respect. Wives are told to respect their husbands. Why? Wives naturally, for I don't know why, but the way God has wired them. There's Larry. Hey, bud. Hey, good morning. Sorry. Good morning. That's okay. <laughs> good to see you, bud. We're told, husbands are told to love their wives and love them with, by the word, by the way, that word there in Colossians and in, in uh, Ephesians is agape, which means with a God type love, which is a sacrificial love, which is the one that I have the hardest time doing, being sacrificial for my wife. Now, un unlike, Unlike uh, Edwin, I, I don't know that I would give her the last cookie, but you know that's just me. Ephesians starts out with saying that uh, submit to one another. 
we are submit to one another, not yeah. just the wife to submit to the husband. Correct. Correct. You are absolutely correct. Yeah, but stay, you, stay, on, stay on point. <laughs> so right, the, the right, issue, right the issue comes back. There's, there was a, there was a great okay. book that was written a while ago. It's called Love and Respect. It's by a guy by the name of Egger, Egerhart, I think it is, in which he talks about the difference between love and respect and the, the reason that one is needed more than the other for each spouse. We're all wired differently. Husbands are wired to, to need respect. The more respect they get, the more that they love their wives. Dave Wilson has talked on that before. Yep. Yep. There's a, it's a great book out there. I recommend if you haven't read it, read it. There's a, there are chapters that they claim you should only read if, you know, only the wife should read this chapter. And then there's another chapter. Only the husband should read this chapter. Well, I, I'll give you a hint. I read all of them. Uh, <laughs> What's the author's name again? I think it's Eggheart. called Egghart. E-G-G-H-A-R-T, something like that. Egghart. Egghead. Yeah. Just looking for love and respect and then um, and then a, a, na a last name like Egghart. And the, it, you know. It's a no. great book. It, no, it really I, I like, helps. Sorry. Go ahead. There, there was something I heard. I, I like the idea that uh, like women are amplifiers. Uh, Whatever you give them, they amplify it and give it back to you. That's a good idea. That's good. That's good. I think, I think one of the things that was interesting about Egghart's book is that he talks about the fact that men need respect in order to, to, to love, but men don't normally love the way God loves. And for whatever reason, women seem to be much better at it in general than, um, than men. So men are commanded to love their wives. Women have a harder time showing respect and honoring their, their husbands. So as they do so, it's Eckhart shows a, a, what he calls the crazy wheel. You want, you want the wheel to, to, to spin the right way. If one of you starts doing it right, the other will automatically do it right, given enough time. Hey, Val, I think it, it's Eckhart Toll. Is the name of the person? Could be. Let me see. E C K A T R T. Emerson Agarch. Eric. Here's the oh, book. Really? Here's it's backwards, but that's the book. Yeah, Emerson. Oh, okay. Emerson Agarch is his last Agarich. name. Agarich or something. Okay, Agarich. Yeah, I couldn't remember what it was. Close. Love and respect. It's a good book. I, it's, uh, I, I recommend it. Um, even if you're having a great relationship with your spouse, I still recommend you read it. I've used it in uh, counseling, um, family counseling, or, you know, husband and wife counseling. It's been helpful at times. All depends on how willing the other, you know, the person who's getting the book and reading it is willing to apply the principles. I, I one time had a, a family in one of my churches that um, I spent a lot of time with. And um, there was a, maybe you guys read the book, uh, Firestar, uh, was it Fire? It's a Christian, what's the name of that book? Huh. Fire or something or other. 
I don't see it there real quickly. Um, anyhow, it's a, it, it's a, a way that a, a Kurt can fireproof. Thank you. That's the book. That's the book. Thanks. Um, and it, it shows how, you know, you can supposedly win your wife's love back. Right. Well, the problem is that the, the guy that in the, even in the book, he, he does all these things. He goes through all these steps and his wife doesn't, doesn't love him, you know, doesn't come back to him. And the problem is that he was doing it because he was trying to get something from her to earn her love back, to get her love back, to have her fall in love with him again versus doing it simply because he loved her, whether she responded or not. And that was the problem I couldn't get this gentleman to understand. He says, well, I went through everything that, that the book said. I did everything the book told me to do. He said, you do, do it with the right attitude and the right thought process behind it. Did you do it because you simply wanted to let her know that you loved her, regardless of whether she responded appropriately or not? And he was couldn't that, understand. Did they make a movie out of that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, um, Kurt Cameron. Uh, Kurt Cameron. Yeah, that's Kurt what I Cameron. Yeah. So the the struggle is, you know, doing something because, you know, my my takeaway was the, the gentleman I was dealing with. And no offense for you guys that are engineers, but he was a this guy was an engineer, and so you know for him it was okay. Here are the steps that you have to take, <laughs> and this is the outcome that's going to happen. And I kept going, no, 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 no. You, you do this not to get the outcome. You do it to prove that you love her. Show her, prove to her that she, you truly cherish her. And I think she'll respond appropriately. Unfortunately, he never did. And uh, they ended up, they ended up divorcing. So, anyhow. So, uh, some families... It works in some families. It doesn't, right? So, anyhow, all right. So we're talking about in order. Okay. So, again, I, I've mentioned that the word here in in Colossians uh, uh, nineteen is the husband is told to love the wife, which is an agape love, which is a sacrifice, a serving love that Christ shares for His church. Uh, a marriage. A marriage may, may begin with normal human romantic love, you know, but it's going to grow deeper and hopefully it's going to grow deeper into a, a spiritual agape love that comes only from following God and being a godly man. He goes on to say, Paul also goes on to say to warn the husbands uh, and be not bitter against them. In other words, don't harbor ill will towards your wife because of something they did or didn't do, which is sometimes really hard to do. You know, don't you love it when you get into a fight, you think you've dealt with something, and then you just decide that in order to win the argument, you bring up something that happened two months ago, five years ago, the beginning of your relationship, <laughs> and you use that to, that creates ill will, by the way, just thought I'd let you know that. So, so why, why do you think that's written here, Val? I mean, about the husbands and wives. Isn't Paul in prison right now? And probably, oh, I'm just wondering why it's even here. 
Probably because they needed to hear it. Yeah. It must have been a problem. I would keep think back, that's a problem we all – Yeah, I think that's probably a problem we all face, we all struggle with. Yeah. <laughs> Are you bitter because of something your wife didn't do or something that you wanted her to do that she wouldn't do? You know, if you're bitter towards her, it says don't be bitter. <laughs> Seems like uh, an overarching concern of Paul's and all of his writings is promoting harmony among Christ's followers. Yeah. He talks about all kinds of things to get rid of uh, disputes and arguments and disagreements to uh, promote harmony among the followers. Think about this. In 1 Corinthians, it says that you should not bring a suit against another brother. Don't sue him. It, wouldn't it be better to, to lose whatever it is that you're going to lose because you're doing it for the sake of Christ? I know it will put lawyers out of business, right? I, I, told, you about, I told you about the suit that happened with the, one of the, the church that I grew up at. That uh, you know, some gentlemen in the church helped the church out, and the result was they became multimillionaires. Mm -hmm. and I remember that story. Turned around and sued them. Oh wow! Even though the church was the one that, well, the, the reason the church sued them was because they, so, you know, over the course of years they all left the church. Oh wow! For a variety of reasons, not because they necessarily were mad at the church. One guy moved down to South Carolina and, and bought a, a car dealership down there. Another guy retired and moved to Florida, you know, and another guy uh, moved to, yeah, another guy moved to South Carolina to teach at a school. Um, you know, but suddenly the church didn't have all those guys giving lots of money. And so the church suddenly decided that the fact that the church had been bailed out by these guys years ago, that they wanted their money back. The church did. <laughs> oh, wow. And I, I've told you again the story. My father was involved in that. In fact, my father was asked to be one of the members. Of, I think there were four or five. I can't remember. I think there were four, and he was going to be number five, or maybe there was four. There were three, and he was going to be number four. Anyhow, he was asked to be a part of it, and he sat down and figured it out before they did all the, the shenanigans they were doing. And he says, uh, I can't do that. He says, if I do that, I'll become a multi-millionaire on the backs of the church's money. I can't do that. It's not right. And so the next thing you know, a couple of, well, years later, they took everyone to court. Dad had to be a witness. Oh, wow. And it's interesting. He ended up being a hostile witness for both of them. <laughs> both oh, sides. Wow. I told you it was going to be, this was going to be a problem. You know, he says, I told you this. And he says, how sh shame on your church for bringing us a lawsuit against Christians and shame on you, all you guys that made all this money off this church. Cause I told you this wasn't the right thing to do. It's one thing to make some money, but not to, to the extent that they did, you know, they really abused their, it was a great deal. Just think, I could have, I could have been a multimillionaire, or at least the son of a multimillionaire. Oh well, I'm the son of a king instead, right? Amen. Amen. All right, so we didn't get very far. <laughs> I didn't think I we would today. 
I got to get to work. That's fine, man. You got to do that. We're going to, we're going to end it right here because it's just the nature of what we're doing. Uh, We'll dig into the rest of this. Think about it. Think about what it means. If, if a husband is supposed to care for the church, care for his wife, the way that Christ cares for the church, how would that change the way that we respond to our wives? Oh, wow. Yeah. It would change greatly. And I have to tell you right now that I, I'm getting beat up again. I hate teaching you guys when I have to teach these kinds of passages. Because my, sto- my toes get stepped on all over the place. In fact, it sometimes isn't my toes. It's my entire body gets smashed. I, I think it's how long I am. I think it's interesting, though, you did bring up one point. I kept wondering why God didn't put the husbands first, but the way you described that was real helpful. Yes, the it's interesting. Yeah. You know, because that's where it seemed the way it started, but it's interesting the, the order is reversed. Hey, Val. Yes, oh, go ahead, Mike. Val, you said that the Trinity had a hierarchy. Yeah, believe it or not. And I think I look, I look at marriages like the Trinity where you have a hierarchy, but that they still are all equal. They're one. Absolutely. Good. That's a good point. That's a great point, Mike. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't make that point. That's a good point. Very good point. You're not saying that somebody is less than somebody else. You're just saying that somebody has to, you know, and by the way, if as an example, just because you might head up the family does not mean that, that you're good at everything that needs to be done in the family. If you're not good at finances, for goodness sakes, don't <laughs> do the finances. Let your wife do it if she's better. You know? You know, and it does say, some, you know, some, somewhere in here is the definition of the family because it says, husband loves your wives and wives submit to your husband. It doesn't say anything about uh, significant others. True. Well, we're talking about a, a, a remember, the family was created, was the first institution created by God. Which, by the way, creates a whole set of issues when it comes to what should be first in our lives. Mm-hmm. Should be God first, family second. Church, <laughs> your work third. Are you sure? Church, you know. Too often, too often, pastors and people who are full-time Christian workers put the ministry before the family. Steve Andrews had a big problem with that. I'm sorry, who did? Steve Andrews had a big problem with yeah. that early in his career. What about football? Where does that fall in there? <laughs> <laughs> they were down 30% for Sunday. <laughs> Also, gotta go. Yep. All right. Bye. Yeah. Good okay. Luck. See you guys. See you guys. Have a good week. You too. Are so, what'd you think of this? What'd you think of the discussion, Rick? I liked it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, Uh, we're we're lo- at least I'm losing you, Rick. I don't know if anybody else is. Is that better? Yeah. yeah.
Yeah. Well, I just feel like there's something missing in my life. And, um, yeah. Just, I've been struggling with a lot of different things for the last 10 years. Oh, wow. And it just doesn't seem to uh, get better. Although I do feel very blessed at the same time. So I'm just looking for improvement overall. One of the things that you guys mentioned throughout all this made me think of a book that I read by Wayne Dwyer. I remember him saying, if you change the way you look at things or people, the things you look at will change. And that kind of fit in with this discussion, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We hope you enjoy it. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes you listen to these discussions. They've been going on so long, you don't know where we've even been in it. Yeah, we've, we've... We don't want you... We don't want to lose you. That's what I'm trying to say. I just want to make sure you're... You know. Thanks, George. I appreciate you doing that because I was going to say almost the same thing. Yeah, enjoying it. With us, so, we're, 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 a, we're a group that, uh, that discusses... We have, we have a wide range of, of thought and political thought and uh, and no. religious thought Nothing. at times. And that's okay. <laughs> I always tell the guys, when we get to heaven, we're going to find out we got this much of our theology right and this much wrong. <laughs> so, um, Some of us are really out in space. Some, yeah. Was pretty quiet today. Yeah, I mean, you are surprisingly. The other, the other, Rick, don't be afraid to ask questions, even if they don't seem to be going on what's going on at what Val's saying. I mean, we, we can go off on any track you'd like, I'm pretty sure. We are, so, we are really good at following rabbit trails. Exactly. So just don't be afraid. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty, it's a good group. It's a great group. Yeah, and Thursday, is, Thursday to me is even better. So try to make it that Thursday. Yeah, what we do is we'll take the we'll take what we studied today. I'll come up with a list of questions in the discussion time, so it'll be open to everybody. Chime in with their thoughts, and some guys some guys come, some guys don't. It's up to you know. Yeah. Sometimes it depends on what your timing is. One of these days we'll be able to get coffee together for guys. Oh, when wouldn't that be great again? Yeah, I'm thinking about buying a gorilla mask. Since you want to wear masks, start wearing that where I go. You know, the, the one of the problems you run into is that uh, um, um, Panera is not open early. Yeah, the, you know, we could do it, it if until like if, nine o'clock. Yeah, hey, I've Val, got guys. I'm sorry. You're still recording. Oh, sure enough. Thank you for mentioning that. True. We yeah, love it here. We delete that. Delete that.